Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Everybody, it's Danny Moses. You're listening to a bonus episode of On the Tape. We're welcoming back Brady Cobb. A lot going on in the cannabis industry. For those who may not remember, Brady Cobb has been involved in the cannabis industry for several years, from the legal side, from the operating side, most recently the CEO of Bluma Wellness, which he successfully sold Cresco Labs earlier this year. There's a lot going on, and Brady's very involved. I want to welcome back Brady Cobb to On the Tape. Brady, how are you? Thanks, man. Good to be back. And it is certainly exciting times in cannabis land. So why don't we start with the most recent things and work our way backwards here. So there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington. I know you've been on top of it, both the SAFE Act, which is now included in the National Defense Authorization Act. You had another bill introduced by a Republican congresswoman out of South Carolina. Can you just talk about the developments going on right now? Yeah. So I think I was on the podcast with you guys back in September, October-ish timeframe when Representative Perlmutter in the U.S. House was able to successfully get the Safe Banking Act, which has passed the House now five times, installed in the Senate on a standalone basis. But he was able to get it inserted as an amendment to a must-pass annual bill called the National Defense Authorization Act. A lot of folks didn't think it was necessarily going to happen. It wouldn't get attached politically, but it passed almost overwhelmingly on a voice vote. So it is now teed up and as a part of the NDAA, which has to be cleared before the year end. It's expected to be taken up by the U.S. Senate next week. The political calculus of everything is that that bill has a broad base of support based on the meetings and phone calls and intel that I'm getting out of D.C. from both direct meetings with staff and members, as well as talking to partners up there who are canvassing folks as well. So there's a broad base of support. The question is, the Majority Leader Schumer and Senator Booker have indicated that they would rather see more comprehensive reform pass first than their tweets. And to date, all that Senator Booker, Schumer, and Wyden have done is tweet about it. They introduced a discussion draft of the CAOA back in September, but haven't moved it a single inch since then. So there's this delicate balance point, and we're all waiting to see whether they're truly going to block safe banking, which would be the first cannabis win to come out of D.C. and come out of Congress in our short movement's long history here. And ultimately, whether they're going to do it or not, there's pundits on the one side that say yes, there's pundits on the other side that say no. I personally am very bullish on it because it is a win. They have to be recalibrating what has happened post the elections last Tuesday. It's kind of a preview. Those election results last Tuesday, especially Virginia, was a prelude to what's coming in November. And it's an easy win. And by the way, it does a lot for the cannabis industry. It does a lot for the social equity applicants that need affordable capital, non-predatory startup capital to go into this business. It ensures a safer workplace for close to 300,000 Americans who work in the legal cannabis industry now. And it gets this money and turns it into an American story. So these companies aren't trading in Canada. They're not financing in Canada. And it brings everything on shore. So ultimately, it'd be a great first step. We're all waiting to see whether Senator Schumer or Booker or Wyden indeed block it in the Senate. They will have to vocally oppose it. Even if they do, there's still conference process with the NDAA where they take the House bill, the Senate bill, and they push through them and pull the provisions out. That'll be the final process that'll head to the president's desk sometime before they recess, which I believe they recess on December 10th. So 
exciting times. Now, Danny, you've heard this, you and I have talked about this extensively. What do you think that does for this cannabis market? It had a bit of a rip, which I think we'll talk about here in a second, late last week, after a couple of really brutal four to six months kind of off those February highs earlier this year. What do you think a safe banking as part of an NDAA could potentially do for the sector? I think where people haven't connected the dots is that the exchanges are looking for an excuse to list the U.S. MSOs, not to not list them. So if there is a safe act passes, some people believe that doesn't mean that they're going to uplist. I completely disagree. I actually think they will be on the exchanges. So I think that will be a positive, And I think that will be assumed when this thing does go. Because one of the biggest things is access to capital for these companies and that you can lower the cost of capital by getting access to U.S. exchanges. But you just brought up a good point about the Canadian companies. And I kind of want to delve into that now. It's really been the only way that institutional investors have been able to express their viewpoint on cannabis, long or short, has been through the Canadian LPs and those operators. And I think you and I both agree that's the wrong way to express the trade. And to further that, it's just very difficult right now for U.S. institutions and professional investors to trade the U.S. cannabis names because there's so many hoops you have to jump through in order to do that. And we've heard recently certain banks which stopped clearing trades or maybe undoing that right now. It's just more technical in nature than fundamental. So the most recent performance prior to this move up has just been a slow bleed 1% a day, 2% a day. And you can see what happens when you get just a hint of positive political news coming, what can happen to these names. And again, looking out three, five years from now, I think we all agree these are going to be winners long term. And I want to bring up what happened last week and what we might see on Monday, which is a bill being introduced, which I think is somewhat comparable to the SAFE Act, certainly to your point, puts Schumer on the spot again. And one other thing I want you to comment on, This whole thing about everybody wants comprehensive reform, criminal justice reform, but the states have done an amazing job one by one as they've approved cannabis, whether it's medical or adult use in their states, of doing it anyway. So it's a little bit redundant to have a federal bill come through that has to have that when it's already happening at the state level. So I want to get your thoughts on the bill that was introduced, what it has in it, which is explicit, I believe, for exchange listings and so forth. And then your thoughts on just that in general, what I just mentioned about comprehensive reform versus what states have done. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think just to bolt on real quickly to one of the things that you mentioned is the U.S. cannabis sector. I think what you saw with Representative Mace's bill, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, which was leaked out last week. Tom Angela at Marijuana Moment, who's a warrior for us in the media side of things and digging things up and getting it out for the public to see. He got it out there. You don't follow Tom Angela, give him a look. Ultimately, though, that just showed what a coiled spring this marketplace is. There's so much interest on the sidelines. There's so many people that recognize that this is a generational opportunity, that this is a brand new entire class of CPG that's going to be very disruptive to alcohol, pharma, and tobacco. One little slight movement and the market's ripped and from 3.30 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday afternoon, which you know in cannabis land, Fridays usually are pretty slow. So it shows it's there. We just have a plumbing problem, as you described. You're trading on a CSE or the OTC markets, it's not optimal. So talking about Representative Mace for a second, there's been a multitude of broader reform bills that have been brought forward. You've had originally the States Act, which was a Republican-led states' rights bill advanced by Cory Gardner. I'm very proud to have been a part of the drafting process of that bill. Unfortunately, it didn't get very far, and Senator Gardner is no longer in the Senate. That was the first one. Then you had the more left-leaning Moore Act, but the Moore Act contained a bunch of social equity, social justice provisions that were not acceptable to the broader base of Republicans, and in some cases, not even acceptable to the more moderate Democrats. Then you've more recently had Majority Leader Schumer, Senator Booker, and Senator Wyden introduce the CAOA, Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which is the most aspirational of the bills from a policy perspective. 
It's basically the kitchen sink approach of everybody gets something that's not very meaningful, including having a 20-something percent tax rate on cannabis operators while they're already dealing with 280E and everything else, and just having a bunch of mixed messages in that bill. It was pretty much the CAOA was DOA in the U.S. Senate on day one. They're not getting the Republican votes they need to come across the aisle to vote for that. So Representative Mace is a, I believe, a freshman representative from South Carolina and decided to take a common sense approach. And I couldn't give her more credit. There's a lot of folks that worked with her behind the scenes from various different interests in the space who deserve a tremendous amount of credit. This is a bill that I first got a look at a couple of weeks ago. It immediately got my attention because it has common sense provisions. Representative Mace is trying to find that middle ground that used to exist in D.C. when dealmaking was the thing instead of just pure partisanship. Find that middle ground where you would marry provisions that Republicans and libertarians of states' rights and individual choice met with cannabis industry-specific initiatives that do address some of the racial disparities and some of the criminal justice reforms that are needed. And in my humble opinion, it is the most passable piece of cannabis reform legislation that has been floated around. We expect it to be introduced in the next couple of weeks. It's going to have its own process. But now if we look at it through a political lens, you now have a Republican in the House taking a leadership role and filing a bill that is probably the most well-structured bill that's been introduced thus far, most passable bill, as I just said, that puts additional pressure and leverage in my mind on the Schumer-Booker-Wyden camp to kind of put up or shut up and take the win on safe or hope to God they can get something done on the CAOA or something else before the midterms. Otherwise, they're going to come up blank on cannabis. And if you've seen or followed those three senators' Twitter feeds since they took power back in January, they have made cannabis a tier one issue. They're tweeting about it three to four times a week in some weeks, and nothing's really happened. So this ups the ante in my point, but it's not a silver bullet. But ultimately, this is a bill I think you're going to see get bipartisan support. It's going to get moderate Democrat support in the House. I think you're going to see it get support in the Senate where states' rights carries the day and that type of stuff. So to me, it really ups the ante. And again, it provides, as I see it, another catalyst and or plumbing fix because this bill I believe it's a decriminalize, which would then get rid of that Schedule 1 problem. That is what prohibits the exchanges from listing these stocks here in the U.S. And ultimately, the market impacts, it would bring cannabis alongside alcohol and pharmaceuticals from a regulatory standpoint, state-by-state basis, and it would allow us to operate alongside our competitors instead of having this big overhang over us. One last thing I want to say, Danny, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it, as someone that knows the markets inside and out. It's pretty amazing to me what these US MSOs, the top ones, the GTIs, the Carolees, the Crescos, the Trulies of the world have been able to do with a federal law overhang. These companies are generating positive EBITDA, positive net cash, in some cases positive net cash, I guess I should say, with a federal law overhang, a ridiculous tax rate as a result of 280E and having to operate individual siloed businesses instead of centralized distribution. To me, it's pretty impressive what they've done. As you start talking about these potential federal law changes that are now becoming a when, not if, how do you think that affects what we're looking at in this marketplace? One of the things that's in this bill, they brought up alcohol. And you and I have talked about before that we think within states' rights that cannabis should mimic alcohol as far as distribution and so forth. So we know the lobbyists are involved both in the pharmaceutical industry and in the alcohol industry because they know, to your point, what a prize these MSOs are. And so to your point about what these companies have been able to do 
in this type of situation with higher taxes, no access to cheap capital, so forth. It's really amazing. And I don't think that's lost on the alcohol or the pharmaceutical industry. So they're both nervous and excited, I think, those two lobbies. So every time I see a bill get opposed or brought forward in Washington, I always think, okay, which lobbies for or against it? So I do think we'll see a massive amount of M&A in the sector once the path is clear. So companies doing what they're doing. There's been a lot of M&A again over the last year. It's not as big as it was a couple of years ago before the DOJ came in and blocked some of this M&A, but it is occurring. And I think these MSOs are going to get healthier and healthier. And of course, as you anniversary certain growth, your growth rate is going to slow in certain jurisdictions, which we're seeing now. And there is still a very large black market, which I think still needs to be fixed. And I think one of the big things that's been occurring, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is When you have states like New York and New Jersey, which pass adult use legalization, but don't actually put forward the full programs yet, you have this period of time where the black market can thrive, where you know it's been decriminalized, so no one's going to get arrested, even if they're dealing drugs. So I think you're getting a little bit move away from that. So there is this lag period of time in certain states, I think, before you see the ramp up occur. But make no mistake, this is an industry that's still in the first or second inning here. And I just looked at a recent poll, I think 68% of U.S. adults now approve legalizing cannabis. And I'll make one more comment. I want to get your thoughts. It is amazing to me that the Republicans have the ability now to steal this issue from the Democrats when it was the Democrats who were backing it all along. And I think your point is right on about putting Schumer on the spot right now and Booker on the spot by just having this other bill that's a common sense bill get introduced. So I know I threw a lot at you there, but I just want to get your thoughts on kind of what I just mentioned. I couldn't agree with you more. To me, I view it kind of in two buckets. There's the short-term setup that we have here, which our friend Todd Harrison, I agree with, this is a pretty beautiful setup, especially with the downtrend. If you were dollar cost averaging down and you believe in the story like I was, and when you're buying these stocks, the leaders over the last, call it four to five months, when they were in the absolute 40 to 50% off, I've been confident we'd see something kind of push towards the year end with just politically, they had to get something done you're doing pretty well and it's a longer term trade. Now there's the short term trade in politics, which that's a trade. I also view Canadian LPs and their ability to enter the US some point in future. They sometimes run, that's more of a short term trade. But if you are long cannabis and long US cannabis, to your point, we're in the second inning. And on a state by state basis, each state's doing a pretty good job of bringing cannabis online and having the ability to see it grow in each state as an incubator. You can have an opportunity to build your brand, build your moat, get separated from your competitors and ultimately build value. And states are doing a really good job. And that's where I'm really intrigued by Representative Mace's bill because it remains and leaves the power vested with these state regulatory bodies in almost the same way you see with alcohol. There is centralized federal oversight, but in most cases, it's done on a state-by-state basis. And that's where I think this bill will have legs because there's already a pretty good framework built by the alcohol industry over the past, you know, call it 75, 80 years. And then you got to look at, there's a very specific reason that alcohol companies have been active in cannabis in Canada, where it's fully legal, learning how to distribute it because they're pretty good at it. There's a reason they've been up there for the past couple of years doing that. That's not by accident. They didn't just like the weather in Canada. They didn't just wake up and decide they like cannabis. So I think that just shows you kind of what's coming. And we're starting to see everyone that thought that it was just a long ways away, the when not if moment just got a little bit clearer with some of this legislative activity in the next week or so is going to be very telling because if safe side of the NDAA, it's that first domino that falls. And I truly think it will be at which point you're going to have FinCEN update their AML and MRB guidance. That's going to provide an opportunity for us to begin working with exchanges to have the exchanges get the cover fire they need to allow us to list in the U.S. And then you're talking about plumbing issues getting fixed 
It's not going to be overnight, but these companies will begin to have their true moment of the sun. We've had little rips and tears here and there, but the pathway to fixing the plumbing, which is trading and clearing and getting these companies off the CSE and into the U.S. exchanges, you're going to start to see the pipes start to open up. What's that number I saw, Danny, that MSOS has brought in in the last three or four days? Was it something like $300 million? That just shows you the appetite, in my opinion. Let's talk about the MSOS for a second, since it's probably one of the better ways. So it's run by Advisor Shares. Dan Ahrens runs it. The makeup of it is 12% True Leave, 11% Green Thumb, 10% Cure Leave, 8% Cresco, IIPR is in there, AYR. So it does pretty much cover the gamut to a degree, but it is the one way. And that trades on the New York Stock Exchange, ironically, and they're buying these on swap. So I'm not going to go into all that detail, but definitely is the way to play it. And that's what people are pointing to. Your thoughts on that. And then also, I talked about the Canadian names earlier. They tend to move with the U.S. names and legislation and so forth. And I think there is a part of that that's correct because they would obviously be able to go in and acquire or get more involved. And they've all been, quote, planting the seeds, no pun intended on that, to get into the U.S. But again, you want the bigger bang for the buck. I think it is in these MSOs. So just your thought on kind of how to play this and what to kind of look for. And then if you can, again, just walk through the calendar here that we're about to face as far as Back in session next Monday, this bill gets introduced by MACE. The NDAA's date, I think, should happen shortly. Like, what should we be looking for in terms of catalyst? I'm a big fan of what the guys at Advisor Shares have built at MSOS to have the ability to access the liquidity. I believe they're NYSE, so you get that U.S. exposure, even though it's all on swaps, to your point. And I'll let you talk about that plumbing at some point, not me, because you know it a lot better than me. But it does give you the opportunity to get in and hedge and access these names. They've done a pretty good job, I believe, of allocating between the primary MSOs and some of the smaller SSOs and venture opportunity type stocks that are in the space. And I think it's a platform and an opportunity to be able to access this growth and to access this potential catalyst moment and to set it up for a longer ride. It's been on sale, as you've seen, Danny, for quite some time now, for the last three or four months with the overall market downtrend. But just one little catalyst leak on Friday, and I think it went something like $300 million of inflows since then. And it set volume records at least one of the last couple of days. It's a very good way to get into the space. It's a very good way to track the space, in my opinion, something that I follow religiously. And if you're looking at the cannabis space, take a peek at that. From a calendar or a catalyst standpoint, I would point to the following. The Senate's in the House are on recess this week. They come back Monday. I think you'll see... Representative Mace's bill get filed sometime before they adjourn on December 10th. So just from a calendar standpoint, they come back on Monday the 15th. They're out of here. They technically should adjourn by December 10th, barring something crazy. So we've got from November 15th to December 10th. Representative Mace's bill, I believe, will be filed formally sometime during that time period. I also think you're going to see the NDAA will have to be taken up. It's a must-pass bill. This Congress is one of the latest time frames for it to be considered in its history as an authorization bill. So we're already late in the game. They're going to have to bring it up. And a lot of people are speculating as to why it's being taken up so late. I don't really have an opinion on that, but I believe it will be taken up the week of November 15th. So next week, where we'll see whether the safe gets into the Senate version of the NDAA. Again, it's already in the House version. If it doesn't get in, that's not a fatal shot. So that's not a panic moment. Not every House amendment makes it into every Senate version and vice versa. Because at the end of it, when the Senate passes their version, they go to a conference process with appointed negotiators from both the House and the Senate meet together and do literally a page flip line by line. And the House will ask the Senate to recede to its position on safe and other items and vice versa. And that's ultimately where I think we'll get safe. There's still a shot it gets added to the Senate version. 
But if it doesn't, that's not the final shot. It will go to the conference process, and that's where I think it's most likely we're going to see it get added. And that is something that would have to go to the president's desk before December 10th for signature. I think Representative Mace's bill will be brought up in earnest Q1 of next year and go down its process of hearings as well as co-sponsors and amendments, et cetera. They are soliciting, and I believe they are in the process of soliciting feedback from industry stakeholders and various different folks in the cannabis sector, and that's an ongoing process. But I think you could see this time or earlier next year is when we could see some true legislative action on Representative Mace's bill. It's going to go through kind of fact-finding and amendment process in the early part of Q1, Q2, and then begin to get teed up. So it is going to be quite the 2022 lead up to the midterms, and that November midterm which is kind of, if you were to ask me right now, I'd say you're looking at a pretty big red sweep. Cannabis reform is going to play a massive pivotal role in what that ultimately is going to look like. They got to get a win and we're going to have to figure out what vehicle it is. And it's going to be a really exciting time to be involved and invested in this space. So to your point, I'll just make a comment about when you're trading on swap, when MSOS has to go out and create these trades from all these inflows you're talking about. It's not the most efficient way to trade, right? When you're trading on swap and you have to go by and put these things on swap. So it's going to stay choppy for a while. But that being said, you're willing to pay for that execution cost just to get exposure to the trade. So I think you're right in the sense of even if we don't get a silver bullet here in the next few weeks, it's not a reason to, quote, sell these stocks. I just think they're so difficult from a technical perspective to do it. But we will get professional money managers involved in the sector, given the chance. Believe me, there's a huge amount of capital. I've talked about this before. There's a lot of, call it LP money, from a lot of big hedge fund people that are involved in various aspects. They expose themselves through various funds, and we know some of those funds that are there. So people are looking for an excuse to get exposure to the sector. So we'll see how this thing pans out over the next couple of weeks. We're obviously in the middle of earnings right now with these companies. Numbers seem to be okay. They've swallowed a lot in last year in terms of making acquisitions and so forth, and they're doing an incredible job. And the other thing I'll say, Brady, and you are a testament to this, is the upgrade in the corporate governance that's slowly occurring in the sector. I think the haves and the have-nots continue to separate themselves. And it's a difficult sector to operate in anyway with all the rules and handcuffs that are there, but you're starting to see the cream rise to the top. And I think we're going to see those top five or 10 names control 90% of the market. These guys will emerge as leaders within the industry. And I want to back up a little bit and turn this back into your background a little bit on kind of what you've been doing recently since you offloaded Bluma, where you're kind of spending your time, obviously surfing a little bit and having a good time with the family. But I wanted to just get your thoughts on kind of what, what you're up to these days. I believe everything in life happens for a reason. So as we exited Cresco in late June and still very close with Charlie and his team and excited to see them continue to grow and execute in Florida with the head start we got them, it was time to spend a little time with the family. It's been a grind. I jumped into this in 2016, first with Liberty Health Sciences as a founder there and rolled that through a crazy ride of ups, downs and everything else and just need a little bit of time to connect with the family. So it took some time off for a month. But in that time, I've been Doing a bit of consulting work, helping some companies turn things around and focus on premium. My focus in this industry will always be on the premium side of the business, the the high-end flower and, and competing with the black market. So many of these companies, I think, get lost in competing with each other for the lower-end product. They don't realize that there's a black market, especially in medical markets, that's eight to nine times as large as their little medical markets, where the black market guys are growing and selling really high-quality flour. That's always been my focus is competing with the black market and getting people to stop doing transactions and parking lots and to instead come into one of my dispensaries. So 
been working on that, been setting up another run and another opportunity to potentially become an MSO, which we'll hopefully have some news on that in the next couple months. But other than that, really a blessing has been having a little bit of downtime to really focus in on the federal level. I was back at the helm of MSO right now over the last three to four months when I've been really active federally and teeing all this stuff up that's now coming out that you're seeing that we've talked about on the podcast today. I wouldn't have had the time to be able to dedicate things to the federal level because running a cannabis business, especially vertically integrated one, is a 27-hour-a-day job. So it's been a blessing to be able to do some consulting in the building process for something new, but being able to dedicate a good amount of my time to the federal law policy reform initiatives with my team at BGR has truly been a blessing. So we've also been working on a really cool brand that we're excited to launch sometime next year that's based on my father's story as a smuggler and kind of a love story and paying homage to every one of the OG cannabis smugglers, growers that came before us that didn't have an opportunity to participate in the legal market, hearkening back to those 70s and 80s days of shrimp boats and smuggling and having a little bit of fun with cannabis. Not wellness, not medical advisors, but having fun and treating cannabis as cannabis and being authentic. And we're excited to bring that to the market too, which will be sometime next year. So a lot of cool stuff happening and it's been really cool to be able to help focus on federal and help the industry hopefully make a few big jumps here. I can tell you that you're being modest there on most of that stuff because we have talked to people in Hollywood about your story, your dad's story, and everyone's pretty excited and there's a lot more behind that. You're the most objective person right now. You've built a company, you've sold it, you've been involved on the legal side, on the legislative side, and now you kind of pulled out of it to take a bigger picture and you're excited about it. That tells me all that I need to know about where this industry is headed. And I wouldn't be doing us justice as friends if I didn't end by just saying the words, retainer, with your legal background. But that's an ode to Goodwill Hunting and Aflac. But anyway, so Brady, we'll probably have you back on on the regular on the tape, on the bigger show, as soon as we get some movement in Washington in the next few weeks, hopefully. So we'll follow up. You'll see news flow on Twitter and so forth. But please keep us in tune with what's going on. And thanks for coming in for this bonus episode. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to our presenting sponsors, CME Group, iConnections, and FactSet. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and we also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com. Derivatives are not suitable for all investors and involve the risk of losing more than the amount originally deposited and any profit you might have made. This communication is not a recommendation or offer to buy, sell, or retain any specific investment or service.